night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go Beyond Reality. Good evening, good morning, and welcome. It's Beyond Reality Radio. Thank you all for being here tonight. I'm JV Johnson. Jason has the night off tonight. He's going to be back with us next week. But tonight, yeah, we're Thursday going into Friday here, right? Yeah. Um, this is our last live program for the week. Tomorrow night will be a best of on the show. And uh, then we'll be back, obviously, Monday night with live programs again. And um, tonight's going to be another interesting show. We've had our guest tonight on before, Dr. Bruce Solheim. He is uh, one of these folks that we call a paranormal lightning rod, or maybe some people call it a paranormal magnet. Either way, he's had a number of experiences that crosses paranormal genres from ghosts to aliens to dimensional slips to cryptids to um ah, every any basically any type of paranormal experience that you can have dr bruce solheim our guest tonight has had it and he's written about it um in two books actually the first book was called timeless and that's the book we talked about when he was on the program last well he has a new book out and it's called timeless deja vu and it uh talks about another 31 experiences uh from dr solheim's life uh, that, again, cover topics such as ghost telepathy, out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences, premonitions, spirit animals, quantum personal reality, and, of course, as the title would indicate, deja vu. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight with uh, Bruce Solheim. So I'm excited about that. Um, you should also know we've got some really terrific programs coming up next week that you need to be here for. Or if you listen to the show after... Yeah, the next day or whatever as a download or on the YouTube channel, wherever it happens to be. Um, that's okay, too. But you're going to want to listen to these shows. Monday night, we have a very, very uh, special guest coming to the show. We had a guest last week or the week before, uh, Joe McQuillan, who wrote a book called Searching for Christopher on the Other Side, if I remember correctly. Something very close to that, if that's not right. And uh, that book was about his two-year quest to reach his son, who had tragically died um previously in an accident and uh, he was successful in in reaching his son he writes about it in that book that i referenced uh and during that discussion we had a caller who uh, frequently calls the show tj is his name and tj uh, mentioned a, a gentleman by the name of david kane and he asked our guest uh joe mcquillan if he had talked to or had any contact with david kane and i can't remember if joe had i think he was aware of david's story well, um, David Kane will be our guest Monday night. And David Kane is the father of a of a son who uh, passed away in the uh, Rhode Island nightclub fire. I'm sure you remember that. Uh, Great White was performing, and they had a pyrotechnic show, and that went horribly wrong. It uh, caught uh, the club on fire, and many people just couldn't get out, and they passed away. And David's son was one of those folks. And David um, has spent a great deal of time trying to reach his son on the other side. And he's written a book called it called Signs from My Son about that experience. And we're going to be talking with David Monday night on the program. So that's going to be probably a very um, uh, heart-touching and heartwarming uh, discussion on the program here. Tuesday night, we've got Lyle Blackburn joining us. He is a well-known cryptid researcher. Uh, we'll be talking about all manner of cryptids, including Big, Bigfoot. But he's written a new book called Momo, M-O-M-O, Momo. The Strange Case of the Missouri Monster. 
That book was released uh, earlier this month, and we'll be talking about that. Um, we also have Andrea P- uh, Pileski coming on the program and Andy Thomas. Andy's a researcher and an author on mysteries and conspiracies. We're going to be talking about conspiracies and global freedom issues. Um, those are things he lectures about. And uh, we'll have a chance to talk with him Thursday night's program next week. So, uh, and in fact, um, I should mention that um, I will be away. I'm actually headed out on a mini vacation. Well, maybe it's not so mini. It's going to be for a good week or more. Um, and Bruce uh, Markison will be filling in on the show uh, starting next Thursday. So that conversation with Andy Thomas, um, Bruce the Shark Markison will be here hosting that for us all. So um, he's he always does a great job, and I appreciate him stepping in uh, when I can't be here. So. Looking forward to tonight. Looking forward to next week's programs. Um, in the meantime, you all have a few minutes while you're listening to the show. Stop by Facebook. Give the Beyond Reality Radio Facebook page a like. Also, give my my uh, page a like, J.V. Johnson. You can find it that way, or you can search J.V.J. Paranormal. And uh, give it a like so you can follow what we're up to. You know, a lot of stuff going on here. We don't just post about what the show's uh, featuring in any given night. We're posting all the time. And if you haven't found the YouTube channel, uh, swing by YouTube, search for JV Johnson. You'll find it. It's got a lot of great archives there. Plus, we feature some unique videos throughout the course of the week. And we've got some special things in the works for that channel. So um, if you could subscribe, click the little bell icon because that lets you know when we go live or when we upload something. It just gives you a little bit of an alert. If you don't click the bell, you still subscribe, but you just won't get those notifications. And you just you'll see them when you you know log into YouTube. So that'll work as well. Oh, let's see. Beyond Reality Radio coffee mug still flying out the door makes a great addition to your morning table um, when you're drinking your coffee or your evening um, um, <laughs> coffee table. I guess they're called when you're drinking your tea at night or hot chocolate or whatever. Holding pens. That's what one of mine does. Holds a nice. Does a nice job of holding my pens right here for me. Uh, you can find it on the Beyond Reality Radio webpage, beyondrealityradio.com. Okay, so we're going to take a break, and when we come back, uh, we'll get our guest on the phone, Dr. Bruce Solheim tonight. We're talking about his new book. It's called Timeless Deja Vu, A Paranormal pers- Personal History on Beyond Reality Radio. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash joha. That's J-O-H-A-W. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the program. Hey, I'm being told that um, a couple of our affiliates have uh, preempted the show tonight because of some basketball games. I guess we're in the middle of March Madness. I don't follow that stuff very closely because the team that I would root for doesn't make it very far. So I tend to avoid paying any attention to it at all. But um, if if that's the case, if any of the shows get preempted at any point for you, you know you can find the show uh, as a podcast. Just subscribe to it on iTunes. Or you can get it off the uh, Beyond Reality Radio mobile app for your smartphone phone again when you go to find it it's beyond reality radio radio mobile um there are uh, a couple of uh, there's an old one there that keeps popping up for some reason i don't know i don't have any of these technical abilities to understand why that happens but it does um and then you can also find the archive of the show on the youtube channel just search jv johnson on youtube and you'll find that but anyway we've got a great show uh set up for you tonight and we're excited to have our guest back with us he's been here before dr bruce solheim 
We're going to be talking about his new book called Timeless Deja Vu. You can also go to his website and get more information about his books and his other work at Bruce Olav, O-L-A-V, Solheim.com. Bruce, it's great to have you back on Beyond Reality Radio. Well, thank you, JB. It's great to be back. A lot of stuff going on. Yeah, apparently a lot. You know, um, we've been talking about this discussion coming up here for the last week or so. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things, and I think we mentioned it before when you were on the program, um, there are certain people that walk through life that, that kind of have this, uh, uh, they kind of become a lightning rod for paranormal type mm-hmm. activity or, or a magnet, if you will. You seem to be one of those people, aren't you? Well, definitely. Yeah, things keep happening. And, and the, the good news is that I seem to be able to, uh, you know, rather than just happen, happening randomly and, and frequently and randomly, I seem to have a little bit more uh, control. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say control, but I seem to be able to guide it a little bit better now that I understand it a bit more. So, uh, and, and so that's the good news. But the, uh, it, it, it can be very overwhelming for folks, you know. Well, I suppose. Who, uh, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose when you get used to these things happening, you can accept them a little more easily than you know the person who might have one thing happen to them in life in their lives can't explain it, never get an opportunity to recreate it. Um, and you say you can. You said control, but you weren't. That wasn't really the word you were looking for. Maybe manage. I'm not sure. But what do you mean by that? Is this? Yeah. Do you mean that you're able to deal with it better, or you can actually kind of affect it and make it happen? Well. Uh, Probably a little bit of both, and and the the main thing is that I can uh, uh, you know protect myself a little bit better, and uh, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. It's not in this book, but it's it's going to actually be in the book uh, the next one because it's going to be a trilogy, uh, and uh, it was an experience in Chicago, and uh, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just tell you quickly yeah, about sure. that. I I uh, the, the purpose of having these gifts, I think, is 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 very important, and and I kind of got uh, off the rails a little bit uh, after I was on a, a radio show last time, kind of doing the circuit there, and um, somebody had called me up. He's a TV producer, uh, film producer, and wanted to do a like, you know, like a test pilot show, you know, of me going to uh, different sites, and you know, it's kind of like the other paranormal shows, but it had a little bit more of a, a, a different kind of a twist using my historical uh, background, you know, my right. uh, having a PhD in history and so kind of going to historical sites and so forth. But um, so he flew me out and my wife out to Chicago and we did this. Uh, we went to different places and uh, the first day it was OK. Uh, you know, was, I was a little rusty, but and didn't know exactly what he wanted. The second day, uh, and this is where it really became rather frightening. He took me to a site and he gave me very little information. He just said, uh, I didn't know where the place was. It was the south side of Chicago. I'm not that familiar with Chicago. And uh, he told me, yeah, it's a very dark place. Uh, very dark. And I, I so I, I knew it was something, but at the same time, I wanted to impress this guy with what I could pick up. So here's where I fell into the you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, you know, kind of the hubris, you know, of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I opened myself up. I opened the aperture wide up, you know, wide open. And it was okay the day before because it was relatively harmless haunted places. But this place was different, and I didn't know. And the first thing I picked up on in the south side of Chicago was the uh, – I, I saw everything, you know, like the streets were filled with uh, just kinetic energy. And all these people in 1800s, you know, the late 1800s clothes, you know, horses and buggies and, you know, wagons going by. Everything was moving. Everything was moving. It was, it was kind of interesting. And then 
in my mind's eye, I'm seeing this. And then uh, I saw this one man just standing there, and he was standing still. He was the only person standing still, and he was looking directly at me as if he knew, you know, I, I, other things I look like I was watching a movie or something. But he knew I was there. He had a, a feel, you know, he knew I was there. And he had a bowler hat, and he had this big, you know, funny 1800s mustache or whatever, and uh, dark, you know, uh, coat, long coat. And he's just staring at me, and I, I got this very bad feeling. And rather than pull out of the whole thing and just say, let's get out of here, which is what everything was telling me, I wanted to impress this guy who was filming, right, which is dumb. But yeah. anyway, so I, I kept going, and... I was in this alleyway in between an Aldi's parking lot and an old post office in south side of Chicago. I didn't know where it was. It just was a very bad neighborhood. That's all I knew. And uh, I was I was attacked. I was physically and psychically attacked. And that is, I've never been physically attacked. I've been psychically attacked by entities, but never physically. And I was thrown down to the ground and held down. And the worst part of it, you know, I'm a big guy, so it takes a lot to push me down and, and, and hold me down. I felt like somebody was on my back, you know, holding me down. And I, when I was on the ground, I, I felt like uh, just hopelessness and despair and, and, and like I couldn't do anything to save myself. It was just like I was going to give up. And then finally I fought through it and I got up and, and I saw all these dead bodies, you know, just literally dozens and dozens, you know, maybe over a hundred dead bodies and people and, you know, torture chambers and stuff like that. And I, I was telling the guy this and, uh, and, and then I said, I, I have to go, you know, I, cause I hurt myself and I'm still actually injured from it. And that was in January. Wow. And I, I, uh, you know, we went back to the car, he stopped filming and I said, you know, what is this place? You know, what, don't ever take me to a place like this. You know, I felt like I was blindsided. And he said it was the site of the, uh, or we were right next to the site of the H.H. Uh, Holmes Murder Hotel. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I had no idea. And, that's exactly uh, what I, I thought. I think when, the, the figure that I saw at first was H.H. H. Holmes. Yeah, and, that's exactly and, what I thought when you described yeah. the figure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and I, so it, it, it was a lesson. And, and then the one after that was not much better. It was, it was better. It wasn't quite as scary, but it was also a, a, like a haunted uh demonic uh tattoo parlor uh it was in north side of chicago but uh and uh i also kind of got uh, uh not as badly i didn't get physically hurt there but it was a psychic attack and so, it was uh, the site of a murder and uh, i picked up on all kinds of stuff and after that after this experience in chicago i i just said this is not what i want to do this is not what i want to do and that it's fine for some people they they can do that and that's fine but uh i decided i I kind of fell into a trap there, it, you know, like, yeah. what do I really want to do with these talents? Do I just want to help people or do I want to, you know, like put on a show or something? But what do I know? I don't want to do that. I'm a, I'm a, a teacher, I'm a writer, and I, I just want to help people with the uh, abilities that I have, you know, help friends, help family or people that ask me and not, not do it for show, not do it for money, not, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I write books about these experiences. Sure. You make money off of the books, but that, you know, that's the extent of it. So it was really a, a very powerful lesson about, well, for, for one, how powerful this evil stuff is, and also how you can fall into a trap, even if you're not trying to do anything evil, you're just opening yourself up too much. So this idea of protection is so important, knowing what you're going into. Don't get blindsided. Don't fall into that kind of a trap. And I don't think the TV producer was a bad guy. He just, you know, he was doing what he does, you know. 
hey, let's get some dramatic footage. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's go to the next site. You know, uh, he 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 wasn't, you know, psychic. Yeah, <laughs> you know, have, have, or not very much anyway. We've got about a minute so, here, minute here before break, and I want to yeah, ask I want to ask sure. about that experience because uh, you were physically yeah. attacked in addition to be psych- being psychically attacked. Um, yes. Did you see in your mind's eye was it H H Holmes or that figure that you think was H H Holmes attacking yeah. you physically? Yeah, well, that, that's I, I didn't see him after that initial. Yeah. you know, he was the only man that the only person that wasn't moving. So right. everything else was just like a movie playing, but he seemed like he was right there. So you and as soon as I walked into the alleyway, I didn't see him anymore. But then it's like he came from behind me. I didn't see him. It was I literally blindsided, like I was playing, you know, like a like poor Joe Theismann, you know, when he got blindsided. Oh, yeah. oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, that's what it felt like. Yeah. And I was down on the ground and I'm a big guy, you know, did about they, six, three, about two sixty. Yeah, you know, they, that takes a lot to put me down on the ground and to keep me down there and to have me feel total despair. That was probably the worst part. Yeah. Was this total despair. Like I'd given up, you know, and a quick so question, quick, quickly, uh, did, um, yep. they capture this on film? He, he had me on audio and then he came and filmed because what we did, we do the audio first and then he comes and films so the the attack was not on film, but it was oh, on geez. audio. Mm-hmm. And what's weird is when you hear it on audio, it I, I I'm I'm kind of laughing. Oh really? As, as 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 if I'm high or something, which wow. I don't wow. drink. I don't wow. use drugs. I, I just it was a our guest tonight, Doctor Bruce Solheim, author of the book Timeless Deja Vu. He's also author of the book that preceded that called Timeless. And as he just told us, it's going to be a trilogy, three books in all. Um, I wanted to ask you, Bruce, about going back to the experience you had where you think you may have encountered H.H. Holmes. Um, Mm -hmm. You talked about a physical interaction, a psychic interaction. When you have something like that, when you're in that state and you have that vision, can you communicate with whatever you're seeing? I, I, I usually can. Uh, I usually can. In this case, I, I did not communicate, uh, with him. And like I said, I kind of, I, I'd only saw him right there at the beginning. And then as I started walking down this alley that kind of goes, uh, behind the post office and by the Aldi's por- parking lot, uh, I, I didn't see him then, but I certainly felt, uh, you know, his presence. I assumed it was his presence because it was a, a, extremely, evil that's the only way i can describe it yeah. and just uh you know I, I i can usually communicate with 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 uh entities but i did not attempt to communicate i just was at that point i was just trying to survive and get out of that situation and like i said i just was uh caught so off guard and blindsided that i i was acting very strange and for me you know because i'm i'm a fighter you know and to have that kind of the fight taken out of me even momentarily like that was was shocking but it it kind of it fits with his with the story of what you know he was a doctor and he you know nobody expects when they go to a doctor that they're going you know that they're going to be tortured and killed you know so i think he used and that's the feeling i got too is that people were betrayed these people were betrayed their trust was betrayed and um, so I, but I, with him, I did not have any direct communication. No, Tan, that's a long answer to your question, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. you, how long have you been aware of your sensitivities and your connection with, uh, with these paranormal, um, phenomena? Yeah. At, well, since, uh, in the first book, I talk about my first experience at age four it was in, it was a very, as opposed to what happened in Chicago, it was an angelic experience in Northern Norway. And that's what got me started. That opened the floodgates. 
and uh, maybe turned me into what what you call a uh, uh, a lightning rod for the paranormal. Of course, my mom was psychic, so uh, you know it's it's um, hereditary, and she accepted my uh, you know my otherworldliness. You know the uh, the odd things that I would say, and you know the like a lot of kids, I had uh, invisible playmates, but my mom didn't try to convince me that they weren't there. I think she she played right along with it because she was psychic herself. So. And we did practice mind reading stuff, and we would talk about astrology. We would talk about ESP. So it was a very normal thing with me and my mom. So it, it really just started then, and it just uh, continued through in uh, my life till you know till now when I'm 60 years old. And in this this latest book, I I, I left out some things in the first book because to, to to be honest, I, I was trying to like test the waters, right? Because I was a little bit afraid. I think I said last time we talked about. The reaction of the college, the rea- where I work, because I'm still full time yeah. professor, and and my colleagues and and readers for you know for that matter, you know, it's like who is this guy? And uh, but it was such a good, uh, it was well received, and by my colleagues, by the administration, who actually let me teach a paranormal class, which nobody was more shocked than I was that they let me do that. And uh, so I think I'm going to go further, and I'm going to go deeper with this next book, uh, with Deja Vu. And uh, and I did. I went back and and told some stories that I held back from the the first one, and and some of them are pretty uh, pretty painful. You know, things like uh, the experience with my my Nazi aunt. And I know it sounds weird, but I I had an actual Nazi aunt. Yeah, you know, it's was, uh, it's funny you mention that. That's one of the ones yeah. that I I made a note on that I wanted to talk yeah. about because that's quite a story. Um, let's hold yeah. that for a minute though, because yeah. I do want to sure. talk about that one, but I want to, I want to mm-hmm. get more of your history too, because you yeah. were, you were born in Seattle, but your, your parents yep. are, are Norwegian. Um, yes. and you've been to Norway many times. I know, I think you still have a yeah. home there. Um, but d- does that Norwegian connection you think open up some of this for you? Is there anything, uh, genetically or culturally that gives you some of these sensitivities? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, despite the fact that my mom was psychic and her mother was an herbalist and a healer, and it's uh, our home, our where we're from is 200 miles above the Arctic Circle, and it's a remote island. And uh, when I had my first angelic experience, there are no hospitals there on the island, so everybody just, you know, kind of takes care of themselves. And because of that remoteness, uh, people are closer to the earth; they're closer to. Uh, the paranormal, I would say. I, I would say it's really not paranormal to them. It's more normal. You know, they live with ghosts. They live with these entities. And there are ghosts all over the place on that island, including our old house, which is now about 120 years old. Every time I go there, there's the spirits of my ancestors are there, and you just can't be in that house without, you know, them visiting you at some time during the day or during the night. And even people that are somewhat skeptical, like my, uh, like my wife, uh, had an experience with w- who we think was my father uh, while well, she was sitting in the kitchen. Uh, and uh, so, it, 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 and she still is trying to sort it out, you know, what yeah. it was. Uh, I told her exactly what it was, but, you know, she she's skeptical, which is not a bad thing. But I, it's, it, it is a place that kind of fosters that kind of stuff. So, uh, I, you know, I, I think it was just natural to me. You know, the paranormal was normal. The supernatural was natural. And uh, and and people in northern Norway are like that. They're very folksy. They're they're very uh, informal. You know, you get further south in Norway, it's much more European and the, you know much more continental European. You know, as you get down to Oslo, the capital city, and way up north, you know, people are uh, kind of rough-hewn type people. You know, 
salt of the earth type you have to fishermen, be. <laughs> farmers, you know, that type. Yeah, I imagine you have to be. Um, yeah. You know, these experiences started for you at four years old, and you've had so many yeah. of them. Would you say that a majority of them or uh, any kind of significant percentage of them other people have shared with you, or they've all been very private and personal? Uh of the of the experiences that I've had, have I shared all of them? Well, I, I, I mean, like, have, like, if you saw a ghost, was there someone else next to you seeing the same ghost kind of thing? Are those shared experiences, or are they private and personal? Some are. Some are shared experiences. Uh, the uh, a, a, An experience that I had in uh, Austria uh, w- with my first wife, uh, her, her family was from Austria, and we saw her grandmother as you know, just the apparition. I mean, she was a full-bodied apparition in her, we were sleeping in her grandmother's room. I mean, we talked to each other, my ex-wife and I, and we were saying, uh, do you see what I see? Yes, I see what you see. And so that, you know, I've had a, I've had a few of those shared experiences that, um, you know, that, that, that's pretty unbelievable or things that have been, uh, backed up immediately after it happened. Like my, uh, full body apparition ghost experience at the, uh, Colby Sawyer college, uh, in, uh, in New Hampshire, uh, in, in new London, New Hampshire. I, it was backed up by students at the college, by, uh, uh the, uh, guy who was cleaning the streets the next day after I had the ghost experience. And he said, Oh yeah, they got you in that haunted building. You know, everybody knows that place is haunted. But but I have had shared experiences where the, the the experience happened at the at the same time too as well. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to kind of determine whether or not um, mm-hmm. you happened to be in the right place at the right time. Why some of these things happened to you, or if you know something would happen and you'd see it, person next to you might not see it, which meaning meaning that you had a a heightened uh, ability to you know see through the veil, if you will. Yeah, uh, I. I don't think I've had an experience where uh, where I was with somebody else and I saw something and and they they uh, did not. Gotcha. Uh, uh, so I, I was either alone or I was with somebody who did experience the the same thing. At least something you know, maybe not exactly the same as, as we're all a little different. But uh, but but I think that uh, most of it's happened uh, you know to me myself. I think. And I, I don't know if there's a reason for that. Uh, maybe the entities realize who they're going to be successful with. You know, it's it's like if if I'm if my aperture is open or whatever, you know, my radar is out. It, uh, you know, entities are going to be attracted to that, not to somebody who's closed. You know, who they're not going to get have any impact on or get through to. They're they're going to, especially the ones that are or more are more um, mischievous or maybe even uh, you know have. Uh, uh, malevolent type intentions you know they're they're gonna go for the uh the most susceptible person you know what i mean yeah yeah. i I think that's that's the way it works as far as i can tell you've had so many experiences you've got um you know you've got a family and prior to that when you were younger you were with your family uh did you ever feel threatened or do you feel like your family was ever threatened by any of these experiences uh yes i i think that uh um, when i think about well, I'll just give you a recent example. Uh, it's not in this book, but it's just something that happened recently. And, and it wasn't necessarily, it, it was more annoying than threatening, but it is rather scary nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, uh, I've had a few experiences in our house where we're living where um, I've noticed, especially the last year, uh, as I've had what I call this spiritual reawakening, uh, there have been times where you know you feel like there's somebody in the room but you don't necessarily see them you just get the feeling other times you see shadows i've seen shadows 
And uh, I've also had the, uh, you know, the feeling that the bed is shaking when there's not an earthquake going on. And also blanket tugging, too, which is a very disturbing type thing. And uh, what was interesting is that I, my son has been ha- my youngest son's been having trouble sleeping. He's 19 years old. And I asked him about it, and, I, and he's, he's told me before that he's seen things in the, in moving in the hallway when he was here alone. And then uh, I, uh, I asked him about, well, what about when you're sleeping? And he said, well, there's this annoying thing with the blankets. And I said, you're kidding me. What, what's, he said that, yeah, it's like they're, somebody's tugging on the blankets, and I just tug it back. And then they start tugging again, and then the bed starts shaking. And so I, I, I finally said, okay, something's got to give here. We can't have this in the house. You know, I, I didn't know if I was bringing it in because I make these spirit connections and maybe I'm bringing it back. And this comes back to our first thing we talked about, protection, knowing how to protect yourself from all this stuff, especially if you're wide open to it. And um, so I, I decided I would have a, uh, <clears throat> a friend of mine who's a, a, sh- a shaman in the, uh, <clears throat> in, excuse me, in, in the Peruvian tradition. And she came here and did a, a cleansing of the of the house, and uh, she identified them as kind of like earth spirits. They weren't necessarily evil or anything. They were just, uh, you know, kind of mischievous mm-hmm. and liked the energy. What was interesting, they were just going after the myself and my son, not my um, wife and not our our friend who's female who comes and stays at the house sometimes. They, they didn't bother them at all. It was just me and my son that they would bother. So for some reason, they liked our energy, and they preferred my son's energy over mine. So when he was away from the house, then that's when I would feel something. So, But now it's, it's gone. So that, that's good. When you that's describe good, uh, earth spirits, <laughs> or, uh, is that like the same thing as maybe an elemental spirit? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. that's what I would say, yeah. yeah. So, so they weren't necessarily bad, but they were very uh, annoying, you know, and it is unnerving, sure. you know, sure. especially if you're home alone and you get this feeling you're not alone here in the house and then you can't sleep because things are pulling your blankets, you know, that's, that's, and, and I've, I've done some reading on it because it's not like everybody tells me that this happens to them. So I found out it's not that uncommon to have this kind of mischievous kind of stuff going on in your, in your home. And you do have to clear it out. And I, I've learned from the shaman and other very experienced, uh, 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 mediums who've been doing this for a living, who do this, you know, have, have had thousands of readings, you know, they tell me, no, you got to, you got to do a better job of clearing yourself before you get, come back to the house. You can't go out and, like I do, I go out and open the aperture and, you know, and I do my meditative walks and communicate with those in the spirit world. I have to go through a procedure before I come back in the house. And I didn't realize how, that I had to be a little bit more methodical about that and a little bit more careful. Are, and because you start attracting this stuff and collecting it, and that's not good. Yeah. Our guest tonight, Dr. Bruce Solheim, he's the author of a book, Timeless Deja Vu. And uh, he has a book that precedes that called Timeless. And there's going to be another one. It'll be a trilogy. And these are collections of personal paranormal experiences. And uh, Bruce, this is a really short segment here, but I think we have enough time <laughs> for you to tell us why you decided to take your lifetime of experiences and put it into book form for people. Well, uh, this happened because of a spiritual reawakening I had after a friend, a dear friend of mine, childhood friend, died in 2016. And uh, I, I had been collecting stories but hadn't really talked to too many people about them. And he came to me in a vision, a very clear vision after he had died, and convinced me that now was the time to tell these stories and even gave me the title, uh, Timeless. 
and it, it emboldened me. It gave me the, uh, you know, the audacity, I guess, to tell these stories and move beyond my fear of retribution by my peers and the administration and my colleagues and my profession. And, and I, uh, I was able to do that. And I'm really glad that I did because this spiritual reawakening has been very, very important for me. And, and uh, I think I'm helping people. And, and that's, the, that's the idea I get, you know, with the books and with the class that I teach and, uh, and, you know, reaching out to people who come to me and ask me to communicate with their loved ones, and which I do, you know, not, not often. I mean, I don't, I, I don't do it for a living. I don't get payment for it. I just do it as a favor for people that, that ask me. And uh, it, it's been a wonderful, it's been a, a beautiful and, and wonderful experience. So, Did you get ridicule and or scorn from your profession when you published the first book? Uh, I, uh, the worst I got was somebody had said, well, that's really weird. And some people just kind of, you know, they were, uh, kind of, uh, dumbstruck, you know, like they didn't say anything, you know, but they didn't, they didn't ridicule me or anything. The worst thing was said is actually by a history graduate student, uh, a friend of mine, her daughter, who I had as a, uh, I was kind of a mentor for her, you know, and she's in, in graduate school and in a PhD program now. And, and she told her mother after she read the book, he has just committed academic suicide. Hmm. But but that that's an opinion of a uh, of a graduate student, and yeah. they have to you know they're like walking on eggshells until they get their PhD in hand. So I understand the viewpoint that they had have. You know they've got to toe the line and so forth, and not take too many chances outside of the you know things that wouldn't be generally accepted by their doctoral committees you know yeah but at this point in my career you know at age 60 and probably another four years to go till i retire or so four and a half years uh i i really didn't you know i mean what can they do to me right there's not really much they can do to me and really the response has been very good you know people have a lot of people of colleagues have taken the class two of them uh uh, two of my colleagues have taken the class Mm -hmm. and others have said they're going to and Still, others have come up to me and kind of looked around to see if anybody was listening. And hey, I got to tell you about my experience. And so yeah, they right. feel like I'm a safe person to talk to. So I, I, I feel like it's been a, overall a very positive, a very positive thing. And interesting people have contacted me uh, that have helped me, uh, you know, opened up my eyes to other things that I was kind of closed about. And I, I, I wrote about some of those and what prompted me to have some experiences that I talk about in deja vu that went a little bit further and, and deeper than the first book. So. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that always gives me a bit of a chuckle um, is that, uh, you know, in, in our line of work, <laughs> we encounter people that mm-hmm. just are completely skeptical or in, in or just completely closed minded in some cases to the ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and they'll, they'll express that opinion and then they'll say, but you know what happened to me when I was eight years old? And then they have a story, yeah. uh, which I find very, very, very interesting. Um, yeah. you know, cause they, everybody seems to have made this connection somewhere along the way. It just not everybody accepts it or is curious, curious enough to ask any more questions beyond that. Um, we've got to go to, yeah. we've got to go to break here, sure. but, but uh, just, just one more thing about professionally. Do you feel as though, um, this topic, these topics are a little more generally uh, accepted in, in the course of communication versus maybe 10, 15 years ago and very quickly. I, I believe so. I think we're on a, we're in a paradigm shift and I'm not the only one that thinks that. I've talked to Dean Radin about it, Dr. Dean Radin at IONS, Institute of Noetic Sciences and All others. Right, we'll, we'll pick it up when we come back. It's Beyond Reality Radio. 
Did you know that online retailers like Amazon have constant deals that can save you money on the things you buy every day? It's no joke. Save 40%, 50%, even 80% on great products. And all you have to do is know about them. Noodle Shark is the way to be alerted when something good is coming your way. Noodle Shark is the social media page that lists great deals that not only save you money, but give you the deals before anyone else has them. All you have to do is find Noodle Shark on Facebook. Search it as The Noodle Shark. That's The Noodle Shark. Because you deserve to save too. Become a shark and save. Thanks for being here with me. Um, we have a great conversation underway with Dr. Bruce Solheim. We'll bring him back in in just a moment talking about his book, Timeless Deja Vu. Uh, in the meantime, a couple of programming notes. Tomorrow night is a best of program. Monday night, we've got David Kane joining the program. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that David Kane is the father of a boy that was uh, killed in the tragic nightclub fire in Rhode Island years ago when the band Great White had a pyrotechnic show that uh, went horribly wrong and people were trapped inside that building and many lost their lives. And David has spent some time trying to contact his son on the other side and he's written a book called Signs from My Son. And we'll, we'll be talking with David Monday night on the program. Tuesday night, Lyle Blackburn, he is an author and a well-known cryptid researcher, will be here to talk about Bigfoot, cryptids in general, plus a new book that he's written. It's called Momo, The Strange Case of the Missouri Monster. It was released on March 5th, so we'll be introduced to that uh, creature and the uh, research that's gone into it on Tuesday night's program. Um, Wednesday night, Andrea Pelleshi will be here. And Thursday night, Andy Thomas will be our guest. Andy's a researcher and an author on mysteries and conspiracies, so we're going to be talking about conspiracies on Thursday night's program next week. Um, and that will be with Bruce Markison. The shark uh, will be sitting in for me on next Thursday night's program. And he'll be uh, handling the show for the following full week as I will be taking some time in Orlando. Looking forward to that, getting into some sunshine. Because even though the calendar says spring here in upstate New York, it is anything but spring-like. I can tell you that. Uh, so you'll have some time with Bruce Markison handling the show. He does a great job. We'll also be introducing a new producer to the show next week. Orion is his name. We'll be uh, stepping into Alex's shoes. And Alex has done a great job for the program for, gosh, what now, three years. And um, she's moving on to some bigger and better things. She'll be around to help out now and then. Um, but Slick is going to have to turn to Orion as his right-hand person starting next week. Uh, I think he trains a couple days. And then we'll be taking over actually the day that the shark will be in here, that Bruce will be in. So um, that'll be next Thursday. Anyway, a lot of great stuff going on. Please stop by the Facebook page, like it, Beyond Reality Radio. Also, my personal Facebook page, J.V. Johnson. And swing by the YouTube page. That's also J.V. Johnson. Love to have you uh, subscribe, like, hit notifications, whatever you have to do. Click all the things you need to click and be part of uh, all of those uh, media. Uh, I appreciate that. Again, our guest tonight, Dr. Bruce Solheim. We're talking about his new book called Timeless Deja Vu. And Bruce, you have a book that's been out for a while called Timeless. That was your first collection of personal paranormal experiences. You followed it up with this one. And I think you mentioned that um, the second go around with this book, uh, you went a little edgier. You you had some stories yeah. that you held back because you weren't sure how they would the whole idea would be accepted. But in the new book, um, you you uh, kind of unleashed those, didn't you? Yes, I did, JV. I I decided that uh, I'm I'm just going to let it all hang out. And uh, and then in the third book, it, the third book, it, I've already got a title for it. I'm already writing it. I'm probably about halfway through with it. 
uh, I call it timeless trinity. It's going to be uh, the most spiritual of the uh, of the, the the three, but not in a traditional way. <laughs> so I keep going farther and, and deeper, further and deeper, and uh, and hopefully the readers will come along with me. <laughs> but these experiences continue to happen yeah. to you. They haven't ended, right? Yeah. You can you keep having these things happen. Yes, they they're they're continuous, and and some that I you know that, like I said I I don't like to use the word control that I invite you know like I'll take my spirit walks and I'll connect with uh, my spirit guides and also uh, this ancient alien that I, you know I've talked about in the in the latest book, uh, and uh, so I will do that on purpose. But other things just happen, like the 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 elementals that were in the house. Obviously, I didn't. Right. on purpose invite those in here but n- nevertheless we have to deal with them and so uh yeah so i i i am still a lightning rod but i think i'm starting to be able to uh i don't know man maybe the word manage is better manage it better than i i have in the past but it it, it happens all the time you know one of the reviews on the back of the book timeless deja vu says that uh, you share a sympathetic hand of comfort did you mm-hmm. did you was one of the motivating factors behind writing these books to help people who have similar experiences deal with it? Yes, yeah, exactly. And and um, I I think well the one thing is that I didn't want people to fear death so much because especially my friend Gene who inspired the first book uh, has really helped me with that and so have my spirit guides and 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 uh, the the ancient alien that I mentioned before. Uh, but Gene especially uh, helped me understand that there you know that this what I'm communicating with is is his essence, is his spirit. So he is not gone. You know, he's gone from this physical world, but he is not gone from the the universe. And so I, I think we have less to fear than than people imagine. And and of course, if you're in such fear, you're not really going to live your life. You're not going to have a full, satisfying spiritual life. And and it's you're just going to be so restricted and bottled up. And I, I think that uh, that's not good for people. And 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 helping people understand these things is, you know, by putting it out there and saying, this has happened to me. I'm a very flawed human being, but I do have these, these gifts that have been given to me and, and I want to, I don't want to frivolously use them. And as one spirit said to me, it was actually a friend of mine who had a, a, a colleague of his pass away who he's very close to. And he asked me to connect with her and, and I did. And she said some really wonderful things about him and, and told me some interesting things, but the the most interesting thing she said is that, uh, and she said it to me, she said, you realize what your mission is. Your mission is to alleviate the suffering of others. And wow. she said, I think you you understand that better now. So I didn't ask her the question, hey, what do you think my mission is? She just offered that to me. So it, it's, you know, just when you think, you know, you, you think I got a pretty good beat on things, something new comes up. And uh, I think that's extremely important. I, I know the, the late Jim Mars, you know, he, I think he passed away two years ago or whatever it was. Yeah. Conspiracy theorist. Yep. And you know, he was just all over the place with, uh, you know, the, about everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, uh, he said that he said something about a boggle point, you know, that people reach a boggle point and they just cannot fathom anymore. You know, what is this, this strange thing? And, and I think we gradually move beyond the boggle point only to encounter another boggle point. (laughs) And, you know, and I think that's just, uh, it's a journey that uh, in this lifetime, you know, we're going to be making every day if you're open to it. And I think that's, that's what I am. I'm open to learning and writing these books and delving deeper into what's happened to me and trying to come up with a framework of understanding and teaching the class and meeting wonderful people and 
being on the radio with folks like yourself and I mean, this is how we grow as, as, as people, as individuals, as spirits. Yeah. I also noticed in the book that you dedicated it, or um, mentioned anyway, God and uh, your spirit guides. And you have mentioned them by name, yeah. Theodora and Ozzy, yeah. and some other. Yes. Tell us about your relationship with your spirit guides. How, how, how often do you communicate them? And, I mean, you obviously seem like you, you are very familiar with them. Yes. Every, every time I take my, uh, because I can't do sitting meditation, I have to do walking meditation. So I take a spirit walk, as I call it. And I, I will ask, uh, I will communicate with them first. I'll ask for them to help me, help raise me to a higher level uh, that, where I can communicate in the spirit world. And really importantly, to be gatekeepers and, and protect me, uh, because they've been protecting me since the beginning, since you know, I was you know, born especially at age four and, and, and to this day. So I always appeal to them first. And, uh, and I, I say prayers day, you know, in the morning, I say prayers in the evening. So I, you know, my, my spirituality has always been there and I, I don't, you know, see, a and you know, this idea of believing in God or the idea of knowing that God exists. I think it's, for me, it's more experience knowing that God exists and these spirit guides and helpers in the spirit world is not incongruous with my, you know, my, my belief in God or my experience with God. So, uh, as one of my friends said, you know, if, if God isn't paranormal, who is, you know, which I think is a pretty cool statement, but yeah, I, I, I use my spirit guides every time I, I communicate to, to protect me. And that's really important. I, that's, like I said, the Chicago experience really made me think everything I'm, you know, people offer me things. They'll say, Hey, we want you to join our physical mediumship group. You know, and I said, well, what are you guys doing? And I, and I get a red flag, you know, and I said, no, that's okay. I, I, it's wonderful what you're doing, but I, you know, I have other stuff I got to do and, you know, God bless you. I hope it works out for you. But I, I, I'm much more cautious. Uh, I am willing to explore things that I, you know, try to move beyond the boggle point, but I, I do so cautiously and with protection. And I think that's good advice for anybody who's on this path. Dr. Bruce Solheim is our guest. You can check out his website, which has his books and his work, Bruce Olav, O-L-A-V, Solheim.com. Um, and there's a lot of great information there. And uh, as I teased before we went into break, you one of the stories that you started to talk about, and I stopped you, Bruce, uh, was the story of your Nazi aunt. Uh, we've got about uh, six minutes in this segment, so why don't you tell us that story? Okay, it's it's a long story, but I, I will tell it uh, quickly. Just my my Nazi aunt. Uh, she actually was a real Nazi, not a not a neo Nazi. She was uh, uh, part of the Gestapo in Norway when the the, uh, the Germans invaded Norway in, on in April 1940. She joined and was part of them. She's a, in her t- uh, early twenties. She's my my dad's younger sister, and. Uh, she was uh, instrumental in helping capture members of the underground. So long story short, with that experience, she uh, was uh, convicted of, of war crimes and sentenced to death after, uh, after the, uh, the liberation. But my war hero uncle, uh, who was a convoy commander, used his uh, experience and, uh, and his, all of his money to get her sentence commuted to life. And then she only did nine years and, and came out. But uh, of prison uh, on an insanity, you know, she said that she was going insane or whatever, so that got her out. Uh, I encountered her many times when we visited Norway, and um, the 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 one I wrote about that was the most, uh, uh, you know, the the one that was the hardest one to write about, the hardest story I've written in my books, actually, 
was an encounter I had with her in 1973 when she came to visit us in Seattle. And I, I think I was 15 years old then. And uh, that was the first time I'd noticed how uh, uh, attractive she was. Now, part of it, she really was an attractive lady, and she was very, you know, shapely figure, took care of herself, always perfectly, you know, quaffed and put together. And uh, she had kind of an allure about her, kind of like a movie star or something. And then there was the mystique of her, you know, that that nobody ever spoke about, you know, the fact that she had, you know, been convicted of war crimes. So uh, I, I just, that was the time when I, in the middle of the night, uh, she was in my room for no apparent reason, mm. uh, other than to, the, the feeling I had was that there was some kind of sexual activity going on. And uh, the oddest thing about, other than that, which was very odd, was that uh, there were, in from what I remember, there were people watching us, but it wasn't my family. And I had this idea that, that there were these little entities there with her. So I, I didn't know what to think of it. it was, you know, was it demonic? Was it some kind of, you know, alien stuff? You know, what, what was it? I, did, I didn't quite understand it. But it was clear that something had happened uh, between her and me, and, 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 and it was, you know, something that she had perpetrated, you know, because I was, I was pretty naive at, at 15, even though I was 15. Um, so at, later on, uh, I, uh, you know, some, ter- some weird things started happening, you know, like a year or, or two after that, I started noticing I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd had... Uh, you know, these, these little entity things I'd have in my dreams. I woke up one time, I was in the forest by our house in the middle of the night, like running and running through the darkness. Like I could, you know, fly through the the woods. It was the weirdest kind of thing. I could jump up onto like my brother's garage roof. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this bizarre stuff started happening. And then I, it, I visited her again in 1992, and I stayed with her because uh, there's no place else to stay. And I was doing my doctoral research, and uh, she, by that time, she's 38 years older than me, so she was in her uh, early 70s. But she was still a very attractive lady, and she had this allure. It's like she had some kind of bind over binding power over me, or whatever. And um, nothing happened that time, but. It was very bizarre. I, like she, instead of having me use the bathroom upstairs where there was a shower, she said, I want you to use my bathroom, my tub, you know, whatever. And I had this weird feeling that she was watching me the whole time. And, and uh, so it, it was just a very bizarre situation with, with, with her. And I, I, it was really hard to write about. It's hard to talk about right now. Yeah. Uh, and my, the whole story just really came out in public uh, about her being a Nazi uh, in 2009 when my cousin, who's now passed away, wrote about her. And it caused a big controversy in the family and even in the country, you know, re-questioning this whole idea of the occupation. So here I was caught up in the middle of it more than I had ever thought because I'd kind of suppressed these these memories about it. But it was quite damaging to me uh, as, as a young man to have had this experience with this you know, this lady. And, and, uh, so I, 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 the, the bottom line of the story is that, uh, you know, evil attracts evil, whether it's terrestrial or alien or, you know, whatever. And I think that there, there is some information out there about how, you know, the Nazis may, may have been involved with some type of alien presence or whatever. And she certainly was a Nazi. She, 
she uh, was in the thick of things there uh, in uh, in Oslo and worked with the, uh, the the Gestapo colonel in in charge. Thank you to all the radio stations carrying the program around the country as that list continues to grow. We welcome all those stations to our family of affiliates. Our guest tonight, Dr. Bruce Solheim, we're talking about his new book called Timeless Deja Vu, a personal or a paranormal personal history. And before we went to break, um, Bruce, you were talking about the, the story that's included in the book about your Nazi aunt. And I have a couple of questions about that. Sure. Do you think, do you, is it your opinion that your aunt was and this is a word that you used evil yes i think she was she was uh at, at least being manipulated by by evil she was uh had invited it uh and was being utilized being used by evil and i think the you know the nazi colonel she was working for the ss colonel obviously was was very evil and i think that evil attracts evil and so, therefore, yes. do you think in the, uh, particularly the experience you told us about when you were 15 years old and she was visiting you mm-hmm. in Seattle, where you saw mm-hmm. little figures or beings of some kind, yeah. do you think she was the conduit for those beings to appear, whether they were alien beings or demonic beings or whatever they were? Yes. Yes, I, I, I think that she, uh, uh, you know, attracted them. She had them with her. Uh, I, I'm, you know, and it was depicted in, in the, uh, I had, uh, my friend, and I didn't mention yet, my friend Gary Dumb, who does the illustrations for the book, the brilliant illustrations, he captured it perfectly. I mean, I described it in the story, but he, I'm looking at the picture right now, and it's, it's very frightening to me. Uh, and, and by the way, I had never told this, uh, other than writing it in the, it, you know, having this in my head and writing it in the book, I've never talked about it to anybody. And this, you're the first, person i've talked to about wow. it out loud and now it's on the radio whatever but so it, it's 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 very unnerving to to think about it but yes um i i i don't know if they were demonic i think they're now that i've had some uh experience with you know realizing that uh i've, I've had some uh, alien experience i think it was more alien than than demonic so, although my my opinion is that uh you know the spirit realm the quantum realm and the alien realm are all one and the same yeah so i think they all operate together do you you think that uh that um event in 1973 with your aunt i think that's what year you said it was do you think that was some kind of ritual was she doing something involving you that was ritualistic yeah well it's hard i don't know for sure because i i was such a novice (laughs) i mean i didn't know what was going on you know i just uh, and it was uh, it was as if I was uh, uh, you know kind of out of it too. It's like I was not completely there, which could have been part yeah. of a ritual. Um, you know yeah. that's why I ask. You know if you were in some yeah. way hypnotized or subdued or yeah. something, and this was and and you know this and I, I don't obviously I don't know anything about your aunt other than what you've just told us. Right. But, but um, you know this Nazi connection, and we know how involved the Nazis were in the occult. Um, yeah. You know, and then the way you've described that event and the kind of the magnetism and the um, hypnotic qualities that your aunt had, I'm, it just makes yeah. me very curious about all that. She she was a she was a very attractive lady, uh, even if she didn't have the hypnotic, uh, you know, this kind of mystique about her. But just when you combine all those things together. Uh, it, it was, it's a very powerful thing, you know, and, um, I think she used it to her advantage, uh, up until the end, you know, I think yeah. she, um, 
I don't know if she sought redemption at the end of her life. I wasn't there. My cousin thinks she might have, so I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, I, I definitely know my experience. I mean, she's the kind of person who could be extremely nice one minute, you know, d- you know, make you food and treat you very nicely, treat you like a king. And the next minute, she, it, it's the most, she's the most evil person you can imagine, mm-hmm. you know, just so awful. And, and it could just snap just like that, just like snapping your fingers. That's wow. how quickly it could happen. Well, let's change the, the topic. Another story that you include yeah. in the new book is, uh, is called Haunted House. Tell us uh, about yeah. that. Yeah, because I know that's, that takes place in the Seattle area. Tell us about that. Well, this idea of, of the haunted houses, I, I have recurring, I had had occurring dreams about haunted houses, and my theory about it is that um, I think that every house you've ever lived in, uh, you know, that I've ever lived in, has always had somebody else living in it before me, and I think we leave behind our energies or imprints or whatever, and they and the more turnover there's been in a house, if it's been a rental house for a long time, uh, the more residual energies there are. And I think we collect those as we move. And I think I've moved 47 times in my life. I counted it up one time. That's pretty ridiculous when you think yeah, about wow. it. But right. I moved around a lot. Part of, part of it was because I was in the military. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, I, I've, I've had this, this kind of uh, uh, symbolic haunted house that is really an amalgam of every house I've ever lived in, but not really exactly the one I've lived in. Uh, but it's a very powerful uh, nightmarish type dream where, uh, you know, each each room has a, gets more and more haunted, you know, as you go into it. And and it's uh, it's extremely powerful. And I've looked at, you know, I've done some research on it and it's supposed to represent, you know, like the subconscious, your conscious, your higher self or whatever, depending on which floor you're at. And I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I, I, I do know that the those haunted house dreams have stopped now. Uh, now that I've been on this spiritual journey, I, I no longer have those haunted house dreams that that would uh, be so very disturbing to me. Mm. So that that's that's yeah. I and think I think I think, the, I, think I read I, I, yeah, I think I read at one point you thought the house was in Everett. Um, I I thought so. Yeah, I thought that that was lived, part of it. There's also yeah. a house in Tacoma that has mm-hmm. elements of it, and that house was actually I know I did see an entity there in that house. And also in in Everett as well, and there were houses next. Sto- there was a house next door that had the the twin angels. I think I wrote about that in my first book about the twin angels that had died, the girls that had died, and uh, they were twins, and they uh, were coming into my my uh, my two oldest sons when they were kids. They would fly into their room through their window, and the yeah. kids would wake me up and say, "Daddy, the twin angels are are here again. They're in our in our room." <laughs> So uh, I think it's elements of every house I've lived in, and and I think I must be attracted to these places, or I have been in the past, uh, attracted to these haunted locations, and they and the spirits have been attracted to me. You know, it's kind of like I said, you know, it's a, like you said, I'm kind of a lightning rod, and yeah. these things find find a way, and they go the the path of least resistance. They go to the people who have the radar, have the antennas up, you know. Yeah, there are 31 of these stories in your book, and we have yeah. time to talk about one more here. And one that yep. caught my eye was called "Follow Me." This is about yeah. the uh, the Roslyn Cemetery. Yeah, yeah, haunted cemetery in Roslyn. It's an old uh, um, mining town, and it's got uh, I think 10,000 people in the uh, 
I think it was 10,000 in the, in the uh, cemetery, but there's only like a thousand people that live there or less than a thousand people that live in the town. So the dead people outnumber the living quite a bit. <laughs> um, but I was there with my girlfriend and, uh, it was on Halloween, of course, and I had to have a scary adventure, a spooky adventure, and I, she reluctantly came with me, and we went into the, the graveyard. It was uh, it was uh, dark, and it was in the evening, and we, we were walking around looking at all the, uh, the graves. Some of them were toppled over, and the one that really spooked me the most and was one that uh, it was a kind of leaning over sideways. There was a broken iron gate around it, and it had a hand coming out of the top of it, a carved hand. That was part of it. And it said, uh, uh, where I lie, you shall soon be, so take my hand and follow me. And then it had the name of whoever the person was. And while this was going on, we were, we saw these weird lights, and we heard branches snapping, and, you know, and uh, I, it was, it was extremely frightening. And, and my girlfriend just, you know, she ran out of there, and of course, which was a smart thing to do. And I, I followed her, and... Um, so that that was a uh, uh, and it's a well-known haunted graveyard. In fact, I did some research on it and found that the uh, Washington uh, Ghost Historical Society or whatever has done a lot of research there, and and uh, it's a quite an active uh, quite an active site. I'd like to go. I'd like to go back there. I haven't been there really since the I think the seventies when that when that happened. But that's what that story is about. And you. Um... Uh, again, 31 such stories, and maybe we've already covered mm-hmm. it, but which one of, of those stories is either your favorite or, or uh, maybe one that, that you kind of hold as be, having affected you the most? Well, I would say uh, what's going on recently, what I had, uh, did, well, okay, I'll, I'll go back to 1997 and uh, the progenitor. Uh, and that's before I really understood exactly what, who this was, you know, I, I mean, I, I had the idea that this was, a, uh, I didn't know exactly that it was an ancient alien presence. I, I just had this idea that it was an original mystic because I'd have, I'd had, uh, experiences with, uh, um, uh, you know, native American mystics and, uh, I'd written about them in my first book, but, but this one was different. It was, uh, you know, claiming to be, you know, the original, one of the original mystics, uh, you know, from original man, you know, from Cro-Magnon man or whatever, mm-hmm. Neolithic man. And uh, I'd always wondered, I, I tried to share it with a colleague of mine when I got the job here in Southern California, and she was an anthropologist, and she uh, shot me down. You know, she just said, well, no, that's not possible. You know, you're a pretty spacey dude. So I just kind of put it aside, and then my paranormal stuff kept happening. And and recently, you know, when I got into this uh, uh you know, communicating with the spirits, I decided, well, maybe I'm going to try to contact this progenitor again. So I did in November, and I and I did make contact with the progenitor, and then I found out more of who it was, and I figured out what his name is, and uh, his name is Anzar. And uh, I did some research on the name Anzar and came up with some very interesting uh, connections that I that you know that I write about. And the the most important thing about it is that. Uh, I'm receiving information that I think is is vital to to share with people, and 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 the thing is, it's about this paradigm shift I've been talking about that there that, that there is this this reveal that's coming. That's you know, I don't know exa- the exact date. I can't give you an exact date, but it's sooner rather than later, where all this stuff will start to come together. You know, the kind of what I'm saying. You know, that the the paranormal world, the 
the, uh, uh, the quantum world and the alien world are all coalescing. It's all really the same thing. Yeah. And people need to be prepared. And, and I don't mean like panic, like run, you know, like the Armageddon or something. I'm just saying that, you know, be prepared because it's going to be quite shocking. And uh, for folks, you know, for some folks, especially folks that are in power, and uh, I think the rest of us just need to be prepared and, and, and understand that there are certain basic preparations that we should all make anyway. You know, we shouldn't live our lives as if nothing bad could happen, you know, because I just think of, like, what happened to my parents, you know, who would have thought the Nazis were going to come and take over their whole country. You know, I mean, that's, that's pretty hard to, to imagine. So, you know, just basic preparation. So I think that's the information I'm, I'm getting. And as as I've been doing that, uh, you know, trying to uh, uh, understand the the uh, the impact of that, I, I had my first, uh, really my first UFO experience, which was just recent, just in, oh, in wow. on March fourteenth. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I might have seen one when I was a kid, but I'm not exactly sure. I need to go back and kind of refocus on those memories. But um, and this was a witness experience. This was me and my youngest son. We're both outside in the yard. And, uh, you know, what Anzar had told me was that uh, the first uh, part of the message will be audio, and then there will be a visual. And I asked him, well, will I be part of the visual? And he said, yes. And I said, oh, great. You know, now I, I, I know what he's talking about. And uh, my son witnessed it, too. And uh, it, it wasn't a dramatic, like, landing on the lawn kind mm -hmm. of thing. It was just, you know, a... a a UFO that was very high up in the atmosphere, but uh, was definitely not moving in any kind of way that uh, anything in our inventory or anything in the inventory that anybody has, any aerial vehicle would move. Right. And it also had some lights shooting out of it, a green kind of light, like a beam coming from it as well. And I, I've described all this, and it's going to be in my, my third book, but... Um, I think it's just part of the continual awakening and yeah. going from boggle point to boggle point, you know, because I, I, you know, if you would have asked me in 1997, is that definitely, you know, an alien being that you contact? I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, maybe. But, you know, I moved beyond that boggle point to another one. And so I, 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 I'm open to, to, to trying to understand this stuff and, and uh, I, I think that's the most important thing is that is, is that you try to understand it. You keep yourself and your family and your friends and as many people as you can safe as uh, as we go through these changes. And I think everybody would probably admit that we're going through a lot of things in, in uh, not only in our country but in the world right now that are a lot of a lot of threats. So you know whatever we can do to protect ourselves and keep ourselves safe. And help each other. I think is is a is a good idea right yeah, now. Yeah, I agree, Bruce. Thank you so much for being here, and yeah. you know, and thank you for um, opening up. I know that story about your aunt was a difficult one to tell, and I know you put it in the book, it, but talking about it is a different story. It, uh, it is it is yeah. difficult to talk about, and yeah, I, and you handled it very well. Thank you very much, JV. I, I appreciate you. Where can people get a hold of the books? Uh, Amazon. Uh, they're both available on Amazon and uh, eBooks. You can get eBooks and you can get the, uh, the you know the printed book. So that's the best place to go. And and you shouted out my website a couple times. I appreciate that. And that's where you can go find out the other stuff I do. The more uh, I guess mundane academic stuff that I <laughs> continue to do and love doing. I love teaching. So well, we look forward to I'll having you back that. when the third in the Trinity comes out. Thank you very much, JV. I very much enjoyed our conversation. All right. It's Beyond Reality Radio. We're going to take a break, come back, and wrap things up. Don't go away.
Looking for our guest's book? Go to Amazon.com slash shop slash JVJTaps. I do uh, greatly appreciate him opening up and telling us a story that was very, very difficult for him to tell us. Uh, um, it was a fascinating, but also obviously a very emotional story. Um, his book, again, is called Timeless Deja Vu. If you're, if you're watching the YouTube channel, click on the link there, or you can click on the link in one of our posts um, if, if you would, that helps out a lot. Uh, let's see. Tomorrow night, best of program on Beyond Reality Radio. Monday night, another very, very, um, heartfelt program with David Kane, the father of a son who died in the station nightclub fire in Rhode Island when the, uh, the fireworks, the pyrotechnics show got out of control, um, and people weren't able to get out of that burning building. Uh, real tragedy. And, David has spent some time trying to reach his son on the other side, and he wrote a book about it called Signs from My Son. He'll be Monday night's guest. Tuesday night, Lyle Blackburn, who is a cryptid researcher, one of the best-known cryptid researchers, will be talking about Bigfoot and cryptids in general, plus his new book called Momo, The Strange Case of the Missouri Monster. That'll be uh, the first time we've had a chance to talk about that particular case so that too will be interesting again a great weekend uh great week of programs next week uh the shark will be taking over bruce markison on thursday night and he'll be with you the whole following week wow i don't know why i'm gonna miss you guys but either way it'll be a chance to recharge all right that's going to do it for tonight it's beyond reality radio make sure you stop by our facebook page give it a like and we'll catch you next week Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.